Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another quarantined edition of the Corner Store Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Koval, and uh, I hope you are enjoying these podcasts. I'm enjoying certainly talking to people. And one of the benefits of being in this virtual space is we could talk to people who are all over the country, um, as we do sometimes. But, you know, it's a, it's a Chicago-centered show, uh, but we dip in and out of creative communities around the world. And so today I'm really excited because we have a young man whose work I really like a lot uh, and and evidently now I've, I've known uh, of for a number of years, but recently was uh, put on by a few different people, including the homie um, uh, Lila and uh, Yvette Morenga uh, and a few other folks, you know, kind of hit me to your work and some of the work you've been making recently. But in the corner store this afternoon, we have William Kem... Cam... Shit. Camargo? <laughs> Camargo. Yeah, I just wrote it down. William Camargo, my man. Thank you. So, AKA Billy the Camera uh, off of IG. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. And um, let me shout out to all the Chicago fam that I left there. And, and you know, we still keep in contact uh, through weekly, you know, Zoom meetings. I uh, had a couple with Yvette, um, a couple last weeks, you know, just chopping it up, drinking some beer and, and uh, talking about life, you know. Yeah, man. She's she's uh, great people. We just had her on the show, too, um, which was really, really fascinating and interesting to get in her story. But but you we, we before we hopped on, we met through uh, Jose Olivares, who is uh, was also recently on the show because of the Latin next um, anthology that, that he and, and, and family just put out. Um, so what were you doing in Chicago then uh, at that time? This is a number of years ago now. Yeah, yeah, I was there from like you know, early 2014. Well, I mean, I was there 2012 for a summer gig at the Chicago Reporter. Um, you know, great investigative reporting um, magazine that does great work. Uh, you know, I, I was there in the summer because I have ties. My family on my mom's side is the, is the people that migrated there first. Um, people from Guerrero most of the time, there's a lot of presence in Chicago. Um, and I still have a cousin there that, that lives there. Um, you know, I was catching up and, and doing an internship as a as a young undergrad, um, and then I loved it, and I, I decided to go back after I graduated um, from undergrad. Uh, still at the Chicago Reporter, and then and then I ended up staying. Kind of got a little tired of the photojournalism world and, and media a little bit. Um, I'm sure, like many of you guys know, right? What happens in the media kind of portrayals of, of people of color. Um, and then I just started doing art after afterwards, um, you know, using my degree that I had in, in undergrad as a fine artist. Um, and that's how I met a lot of the folks there, you know, Yvette, Jose, Amira Gaspar, too, is an amazing artist. Yeah, um, brilliant. You know, everyone, I think it, it's just, it's, it's a pretty big, you know, space, but I think everyone's like interconnected, you know, um, and we all kind of support each other, especially someone that was coming from out of town. Um, I felt the love in Chicago, too. Um you know, obviously, there's uh, there needs to be space for fo- folks that are like born and raised there and, and make work there. Uh, but I was glad to be part of that conversation as well. Word. So now, so where 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 did you grow up? I grew up in Anaheim, California, uh, which is um, the house of Disneyland. Um, you know, grew up here, born and raised, um, public school kid. Um, you know, then public school, college, and. Uh, what did your folks you know, do coming up? up? What did your folks? Uh, what, um, so my focus was in fine art, 
Pretty no, what, what did your folk, what did your parents, sorry, what did your parents do when you were, when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's a very typical kind of like um, work that they did. I mean, low income. Um, my dad did upholstery for a while, got laid off. Um, then it was just cutting marble, like for, you know, tabletops uh, for the, more of the richer folks. <laughs> and then my mom was at a bakery. Now she's at a, at a grocery store currently. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. Okay. All right. And so, and so when did you start to kind of, I mean, do, do, to grow up in the shadow or even around Disneyland, Disney world, Disney, Disney, Disneyland, yeah. Disneyland must be kind of odd. What was that like just being in such proximity to that space? It was, it was, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I was, um, we were, grew up in public housing, kind of like two story, you know, the public housing in, in Southern California is a, a bit different than Chicago, right? The, of course. We can't go really much higher than like two, three floors. Because um, there are earthquakes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's earthquakes. So uh, growing up, I used to actually get up on the second floor of my, of my homie's um, apartment and used to check out the fireworks there, right? Every every day, I think, um, depending on, on time change, 8.35 or 9.35. Um, but, you know, I thought it was so kind of far far away you know i, I kind of saw as a kid like oh man that looks like fun that looks like um you know something's happening cool there um you know my sister uh my family only took my sister um and when i was a teenager we didn't find out that she went because my mom was like oh we can only afford one person one kid to go and yeah you know wow. i was afraid of like uh like roller coasters and and rides you know as a kid so she was like, I'm not going to waste money on you. Like, I'll take it to and enjoy it. That's fair. I'm uh, still fucking scared of that shit. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, no, same here. Um, and, and it was just, it was a different the different kind of way of, like, um, people that, you know, obviously when I was moving out, um, people thought I went there every day. You know, they thought, you know, I had a pass for the, for the whole year. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, I grew up in that kind of, like, I would say it's a little bit, like, um, Typical kind of Southern California, like cousins were in gangs, um, you know, kind of the block was always hot with, with police, um, you know, parents were working full time and, and kind of, you know, my sister was the one kind of raised us when I was uh, a kid up into my teenage years. So um, what would be the kind of stuff that you would get into? What, what drew your attention? I mean, I was, uh, whew, I was drawing at the time, too. We used to draw like Dragon Ball Z stuff with my homies. Uh, of course, a typical like kind of like cops and robber games um, around the neighborhood, and obviously I got into skating too as a teenager. So we were right around the neighborhoods, find the spots, um, created like a little crew for for fun, and and you know did that all that mischief stuff that um, I think that teenagers get around in in, in neighborhoods, you know. Well, in, in LA, I mean, or you know, that California has such a uh, you know that's the birthplace of skate culture. And you, you know, cr- the crew is like your. That's who you ran with as a kid. I imagine who, who, who were some of the folks in your crew, and do you ever keep up with those those folks anymore? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of my homies, I just actually checked up on, um, you know, just to see what's up, how is he, he doing? Because uh, I found like old skate tapes. Um, he goes by. Uh, uh, I mean, we call him. I call him Doughboy because Jose. You um, know, he writes kind of like poetry too. Uh, yeah, I've known him since he were like ten years old. So he was actually the guy doing the videos. Um, he didn't even skate much, so he would just kind of like 
doing little videos. Um, my other homies are like, one is the military. Uh, you know, I think, and, and that's very common. I think some of our childhood friends, we kind of like lose touch sometimes and and then we kind of catch up afterwards, right? Um, but I still keep in contact with them just to see, you know, how's everything. And and we try to do little reunions here and there, you know, get a drink or, or go to the park and just like, I can't skate like for shit now, but <laughs> have a bad knee and, and you know, all those things that happen when you get older, but yeah. Um, so, so when did you kind of know that you were going to veer into a, a, the life, a life of, in the arts? I think it started in, in high school. I mean, I was, uh, my senior year, I, I really like stopped caring about school. I think, you know, senioritis or, I mean, there was just a lot of stuff happening that I realized that I kind of higher education was going to be, wasn't going to be a choice for me, I guess. Um, so I took photo 101 just to kind of like slack off to get an easy A. Uh, and I realized it wasn't that easy, right? Like you had to actually put some effort towards it, creating like a photograph. Um, you know, we still had a dark room at that time. So I learned I learned that way. And I think I I, I appreciated the, the time, the effort that I had to put. Um, and just the powerful, the you know, the way you can kind of edit what you want to photograph and what you don't want to photograph. Um, and of course that led to other stuff that, that I was doing afterwards too, like, you know, working for newspapers and magazines. Um, yeah, I think that, that was kind of the beginning of it. Yeah. And you, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, you pick up a camera, you start to take pictures of things. You might want to become a photojournalist. Uh, why, why that initial interest in, in being a part of the media? I think it was, for me, it was a, a way to kind of travel um as growing up i only went to like mexico and, and sometimes wasn't you know it wasn't the the first destination that i wanted to go to but but we have family there uh we still do and 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 i saw it as kind of like this exploration as well it was like how am i going to get to know people uh and one way was through becoming a photojournalist um you know and i think everyone in school always has this kind of idea that they want to be like a conflict or war journalist uh a war photographer um and that was kind of one idea that i had to um but i, I quickly gave that up when i was working in mexico <laughs> oh yeah what what happened yeah. what was the so i mean i was in um where i'm from in guerrero which is it's it's a pretty pretty violent place um in the past and currently uh, so i was trying to do some stories on on kind of community policing uh, you know, folks from the from those little towns were protecting the neighborhoods. Um, so I got in there. You know, I was doing some work, um, and then somehow they've someone. I got a call from in at one of my uh, aunt's place that you know there was this cartel that like they knew where I live, and that I should stop you know doing what I was doing. So I then kind of like jet to my dad's hometown, which is like very like rural, like. You know, I stayed there for like a couple of weeks, just you know, doing photographs over there. That must have been scary as shit to get that call and then to <laughs> yeah, yeah. have to go on the lamb, lay low. Yeah, you know, that's something I think I don't think my mom knows yet. <laughs> but, yeah, no, you know, I think the photograph is powerful, but I think it's 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 a bit tricky nowadays with what it can do, what can you know, what kind of stories it can tell, right? Um, 
you know, the forga has been used for both things, right? Kind of oppressive tool and and a tool for social justice. So, uh, and obviously, I was like, if I still want to continue work, I I probably shouldn't shouldn't get in trouble or or you know, almost get killed for it. No, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want that. Um, so so that was part of what helped to change your mind about the kind of photographs you wanted to take. Yeah, I mean, that was one way, but also there was, you know, after spending several years doing a lot of work in Chicago and L.A. And, um, you know, I realized that there was a a kind of, like, injustice and in, in what kind of stories, you know, I was picking up, what kind of stories I was getting sent to. Um, especially in, Ch- in Chicago, right? It was always, like, black and brown, like, trauma, yeah. d- death, you know, obviously, and... And there was a lot of great stories that that I think weren't being told because, you know, those newspapers they wanted that that kind of like, you know, crying family member. They want the body bag, um, you know. And obviously, someone that that kind of was doing that work, I, I felt the connection. That was obviously a bit different than if other photographers came in and, and were doing that same work. Uh, you know, obviously, like ICE arresting someone, and I was like, well, that could have been an uncle, that could have been a cousin, right? Um, and it does, a, and, you know, it does a, a kind of like a toll to your, uh, you know, I was obviously having some kind of like insomnia. I couldn't sleep. I was just kind of, you know, there's this crazy story on uh, that happened in in, in in the Austin neighborhood. You know, we were just you know, doing our thing, and I was working with Austin Weekly News uh, for a couple of years, uh, and we were reporting, just doing like everyday kind of walking in the neighborhood as well. Uh, you know, I spent much time there um, and actually, you know, talking to folks, uh, being accepted there. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, we were at a at a corner store, right? And, and then kind of midday and shots got fired. And um, the the young young cat that was there, he had just, like, left the store. And that was the guy that they shot. Um, and, and it was crazy. We had this... Um, these two kids from Northwestern that were doing a, a story on us, um, you know, my reporter friend, um, Michael uh, Romain, uh, who's still an editor at the Dawson Clean News, uh, you know, he's, you know, a black reporter and I was, you know, a brown photographer and, and, and these two young cats were from Northwestern, from the suburbs, they kind of, you know, first experience in, in the West Side um, and this is what happened. But, you know, I, me and my friend, like, we just dropped right away. We kind of like, you know, and there's audio of that too, of that my friend was doing a recording um, and you hear just like the, the gunshots go off. Um, and I think their story got picked. They, they did some, the one of the, the persons there, like a op-ed, I think on the sometimes of the Tribune and, um, you know, was mentioning that. And, and I don't think they ever mentioned us <laughs> in that thing, right? I was like, it was just it's kind of like, well, like, you know the the story hit home when you know there was a drive by and and you know it was crazy because I they kind of just froze and and you know I've been in front of gun violence before and and in the neighborhoods and as well as the the reporter and so we were just like telling them to get down we had to kind of like grab them and you know they just stood there in shock too right yeah. so um, and it was just it just kind of like it, you know it gave me another kind of. You know, I, I still had that perspective of like, you know, there's, there's not people 
making decisions in the newspapers that looked like us, uh, that looked like me and my friend. Um, and it was just about kind of like, you know, this death and, and the struggles of Chicago um, and other neighborhoods around the country. Um, yeah. So I kind of, that's when I decided, right? That's, you know, something I kind of wanted to give up and decided to turn my work into kind of something more that I wanted to do, right? An art perspective. And I think that that gives you a, a more liberating uh, voice um, than being told what to photograph by your editor. Uh, and that's kind of how I ended up, uh, you know, doing that kind of work. Yeah, no, and, and you, you know, you could tell in your work, which is stunning and says a lot and is beautiful that uh, you come from a photojournalistic background. Um, and it's, you know, then this, the narratives you're telling in the work you're making now are, you know, probably, you know, towards that fissure with, with being told what to photograph and then putting a different kind of story in the lens of the camera, um, I guess. So, so let's, I want to talk about your work because I I really love it. Um, you know, the, the photo that, uh, I think my friend Lila, um, or Lila, I should say, uh, first put me onto was this incredible piece that you have on IG. Your IG is Billy the Camera, right, on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this, uh, there seems to be, you know, a, a man standing um, with some, you know, keys at his, at his waist, like clipped on his belt, uh, you know, presumably some sort of worker uh, who's in front of a fence that's that's um you know covered up and and he's holding a a, a poster uh that says this area will gentrify soon yeah 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 that that work is you know i've always been away like i, I became a photographer too because i i was like i don't think i'm photogenic like i you know i don't ever want the, the camera pointing at me um but these were kind of like i'll call my kind of work like and and this is from like stuff that I've been reading, right? Kind of like a, a sense of like practice of liberation too. Um, and that is actually me. That's the, like ah, those all images. Yes. Okay. You know, I've been pointing the camera at myself. I guess I think, um, you know, that's, it's one way it's, it's a little more convenient because I, I don't have to have like more help and I don't have to. Right. Um, and I think this, I mean, the, the work I was doing also after photojournalism was doing a lot of organizing in Chicago, right? Um, especially around like Little Village, Pilsen, um, and this like global phenomena of like gentrification and, and displacement, um, especially low-income neighborhoods, you know, black and brown, um, and situations are, are a little bit different in, in, in various parts of the country. But I think this told of like areas where, you know, I was riding around my neighborhood and I saw like you know, this kind of fencing of like some construction is happening here. Um, and then I found out um, through some friends in, in government that this area was going to be like luxury housing. Huh. Um, and I think that, you know, the speculation, like speculation buying um, kind of technique of, of displacement is, is very rampant in, in many neighborhoods. So, um, you know, I st- I kind of took a perspective of like simple, simple, uh, that's very direct, but as well, it's kind of like performative. Um, and that was, yeah, that was just me holding the sign and, and kind of speculating, kind of like trying to turn back onto the, you know, the same way they do it, like using those tactics to kind of bring some awareness to that. And 
I think this is one of my favorite works, and I think it's been it's been shown kind of, uh, quite a bit. Um, but it's a very universal message too. Um, I mean, I think, in, and that's why I wrote. In, I think in the caption, it's like it, it's in solidarity with like South Central Compton, you know, Little Village, Pilsen. Little Village. Yeah, right. No, uh, it is. You know, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I think that's part of the reason why it resonates. I think that it, because it is, it's a, it's a message that you know it might be specific to the land that you're standing on, but is indicative of land everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and and you know, just about land too, right? This is it's it's a whole kind of, you know, I get troubled when I, uh, you know, when I see a fence up or see this kind of construction happening, or I see, um, you know, one of my childhood parks um, where I used to practice soccer, which is right in front of that area, um, huh. got turned into a dog park, <laughs> and they uh, and there's a statue. A friend of mine wrote this like great poem on it. Um, his name is Jesus Cortez. He's, he's, he's a poet here in, in West Anaheim about that monument because it was a it's there's a monument for a uh, a police dog, um, and and not too far, maybe like a mile and a half down is is another kind of area that doesn't have a monument, but it's a it's a place where a police uh, killing happened. Uh, you know, armed unarmed brown man, and and I think at the end he says like, "Oh, I help my life." Um, you know, I wish that. Maybe I would be a dog, so my life can matter too, or something. Wow! <laughs> you know, it's very wow. kind of yeah. straight. You know, like there's there's a lot of trauma in like in the histories of of the city, and I think it resonates with a lot of cities that have these kind of histories too. You know, well, some yeah, agreed. And and, and some of what your work is about is is the uh, the notion of uh, you know rememory, like of, of remembering, of of putting the past back together. So we don't forget. Um, you know, you have another piece that that I think is very beautiful in front of the Anaheim Packing House, where you're hold or I I don't know if it's you, maybe it is you holding a sign that says "Brown women used to pack oranges here," um, and I assume that the, that packing house is no longer a packing house. Is that? Yeah, no it's 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 a um, it's turned into like a like little kind of. I'm trying to compare it and see if there's anything um, like Grand Central Market in LA. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's like these little, these little shops of like um, yeah. organic pop up boutique. Yeah, of course, it's all yeah, the same yeah. fucking idea everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very rapid, right? Like, right. So, um, and you know, I was just looking at history. The, you know, the city, the city of Anaheim has these images around um, their city hall of like, you know, these kind of archival photographs of like brown women in the packing houses um and it's very direct too and i think um we forget that so easily um and i had some some funny comments on it sometimes too i think there was this like white guy that was like oh white women work there too what about them and i was like oh, man, i think you're missing the whole point so I just, um, yeah that's 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 a good like that we're we're good for that white people are good for that response like that well you know white <laughs> we we love to insert ourselves everywhere which is why colonialism exists i think yeah no i mean i love the whole like you know there was a um a book that i i read not too long ago uh by tommy orange they're there yeah um you know this whole thing about rememory too and and one of my friends um you know they cre- created this show and, and they put a, a amazing quote from from that book and and that whole exhibition was about rememory right and i think um 
you know, when I talk about my work, I talk about like whose um, knowledge is validated, right? Um, you know, there's a term that I use epistemic injustice, but I, I also, you know, that's a term that Miranda Fricker kind of uh, came up with. Um, but then Christy Dodson, who's a great feminist, black feminist writer, talked about it as an epistemic oppression, but I think that's taking it further as, as this is a way that, that folks oppress um, you know, marginalized groups, right? We we tell black and brown folks and other groups of people that their knowledge is not valid. Um, so even just simple a simple statement like this can kind of have a, a bigger impact and be like, wait, was that part of history that that brown woman used to work here or, or do we kind of just kind of like overlook that because the people that write our history books are not are not folks that are going to you know be putting this stuff in the in there yeah no absolutely i mean which is part of the reason why i i would imagine you do the work of curating the latinx diaspora archives um which mm-hmm. is its own really powerful space uh but 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 maybe you could tell us what that what that work is about yeah i mean i think um you know, going through institutions and, and studying, like, photography and history of photography, um, you know, there was something that was always missing in the archive. And, you know, I've always, I always put this in my in my some of my writings, like, in a footnote, right? I'm not an archivist. Um, I consider more of myself, like, a community, like, uh, archivist. Um, you know, just gathering information, gathering photographs of, of a place. Um, and I think there's a, a missing kind of, you know, whenever we talk about like folks, like black folks, people of color, um, we always like think about like pain and death, right? And and I think we don't we don't see the joy of of of, of you know their family, right? Their their histories, um, and I think that was something that a a way to counter narrative to create a counter narrative of that narrative, which is like, oh well, like these folks suffer a lot. Um, and there's no joy in their life, but there is, right? There's um, within our home, within you know our spaces. Uh, yeah, outside the gaze of whiteness, often, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and there's you know, this is like you know, there's not the only account that exists out there. There's there's great ones. Um, you know, shout out to my homie who's also in Chicago. Uh, she started Quinceañera Archives, right? You know, there's there's a great way of, of doing that. Um, you know, kind of archiving that history. Um, you know, there's Veteranas Educas, which is like one of the, I think, the founding, um, you know, wave of digital archivism and digital activism, I think. Um, you know, shout out to her, to Guadalupe Rosales, too, who actually went to ACIC for, mm-hmm. for uh, grad school. Um, because, you know, there wasn't space, and I think there's still not currently space there in, in, in the archive world um, for us having control of that narrative, right? Um, you know, obviously there's um, archives out there, like the public, uh, the Los Angeles Public Library has has archives of, of Mexican folks in there. Um, but who's at the helm of it, right? Yeah. And I think that was the, the biggest question that I had. Um, now, obviously, Instagram is a platform that, that can kind of disappear anyway, any day. It can, you know, with all that stuff is happening, but... You know, I think the important thing is that it's for me. It was like the the moments, right? The ephemeral, like um, of you know, images of families like partying. Um, I think that's what's longer lasting than than the actual image and the and the physical copy of a, of a photograph too. 
Yeah, well, that's part of what the photographer does, right? Is capture the ephemera, right? To capture the like the, that which is fleeting, um, which you're doing now in a really beautiful, profound way. Some of the photographs that you're at least you've been posting to IG of late uh, during you know this time of COVID nineteen. Um, your photo, you're turning the lens on your family, right? By and large, I mean, and there are others in there, but 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 talk. To, is this? I mean, this seems like a body of work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I was uh, just talking to someone about this work yesterday. Um, and I'm still also doing the same thing where I'm kind of pointing the lens at myself. Um, and I think, you know, when I was in, in community college, and shout out to community colleges, because I think, you know, community colleges are, are real colleges as well, right? Um, you know, when I was doing that work, I was, you know, I, I kind of, when I was, you know, procrastinating a lot of the times is, I would be like, oh, shit, I need to do some work. And I need to, like, take some pictures. And, and who was there, right? My dad, you know, my brother, my sister. Um, and I think now that I, I've uh, moved back home for a while, like, these are folks that are, like, very close to me. And I think also tells a story of, like, you know, how are, um, like, Black Mountain stories being told currently? Because, you know, we've, we've seen, right, in Chicago, the majority of the deaths are in black communities and, and a lot of the positives in, of COVID-19 are in Latinx communities. So, um, you know, I did, I did take some photographs of my mom with like her mask and, and getting out of work, but there's also these other like photographs of my dad, you know, just kind of helping me out with some work because I was finishing, I'm finishing on my MFA and, and I was always like, you know, I was trying to not to feel too much pressure to do new work, but now spending so much time here at home, I was like, this is an opportunity that I, that I need to take up on. Um, and they're just moments too, right? They're not like moments of like, I'm gonna like tell my father not to take off his uniform, not take off his mask, his like glove. It's like, the first thing he wants to do is take off that mask and take off those gloves and, and kind of like, you know, start his day after work. Um, and you know, there's a mixture of those kind of um, those images around um and i'm still shooting like film which is mm. you know i think as that's something that's way different than like when i was doing my photojournalism right just digital digital um film films film is still that kind of you know it's still powerful and i think it's still and so are you developing at your house no no the black and white stuff like i don't i don't shoot much black and white but that's if i could but the color um any specific like chemicals yes, temperatures yeah, yeah um like ventilation as well um, but i mean i found a spot that's still like you drop off and then you get it like uh delivered um and even that time kind of you know i used to get them in one day but now it takes like three or four days um and there's a lot of space there that kind of allows me to kind of think about what i photographed and, and how i can use that uh, towards um like telling a story as well right and i'm kind of going back again at telling a story um and if i was uh, like a, a photojournalist it's you know there's this kind of like wall that you have to build of like objectivity right like you know there's and i think that I had a huge trouble about you know photojournalism was like you're not supposed to care about the the, the subject that you're photographing and like yeah. you have to be unbiased which is i think doesn't exist yeah yeah it doesn't make sense right you, yeah. you can right? it's um, the fallacy of objectivity there's no such yeah. thing yeah um, and also I was looking at like, you know, you know, Susan Sontag's like the paint of others, right? Like, 
I was like, this is not something I was I was kind of looking at, but um, telling these stories were also like just way more fun, and and it's exciting to see like how my after years of taking photographs of my dad, like how he reacts to the camera again, right? That's something that um, that I was fascinated with when it comes to photographing communities of color. And and you're you're a part of a show right now. I mean, one of the fascinating things about this time is that I've been able to probably see, in some ways more galleries than in the past because of the virtual gallery and you're in some shows right now i mean one i was just on um the uh what, what is it the dos mestizics show or oh yeah 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 which is um events in two yeah and, it's a bunch of fucking all-stars it's incredible yeah, yeah. this show yeah eric too uh he yeah. out in chicago yeah um, yeah no that was you know, sadly, like I wasn't, I was gonna head out for for the one of the talks there. Um, and I think my work has always been kind of lived on the on the digital space at sometimes. But you know, now that I was in grad school, I was printing big. Like you know, those images are like thirty by forties, and 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 sometimes bigger. And I think um, that does kind of make an impact when when you view my work. And same thing, like if you view view Yvette's work, it's like. But you know, right? We have we're in this time, and, and I think, um, and if the work is powerful enough, and I think it, it delivers a message, um, I think it can seek through the photograph as well, right? The kind of documentation that that it leaves behind. Yeah. Um, so that's one that I was, I think, you know, we were able to kind of get a, a bigger audience for that um, because of that, of you know, the times that we're in. Um, yeah, and, you know, shout out to to that collective, those Mercies who. Our folks from San Antonio that I met um, like two years ago, and even like the the way that you know the Chicanx like identity is being kind of I think you know it's malleable, right? And I think it's not we're always connected to like you know the movimiento in in, in LA and, and in the Southwest and the sixties and seventies, but it's changed. You know, there's there's one of my favorite like artists there. Um, that is like black skin, right? She's, you know, she's like, in the part of that that conversation that needs to have, like Irene, uh, who's, who's an amazing artist as well. Um, and I think I was also in that the f- filter show too, uh, photo filter. Mm, right. Um, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. It's so so you 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 are staying pretty busy. I mean, I see. Even I don't know where where, where are you calling from now because I see it's to do list behind your shoulder. <laughs> I mean that to do this was like, I mean it was like before that, but I haven't been able to erase it. Okay. <laughs> you but, know it's funny. Everyone asks about like, I mean to do this, like it's just stuff that I had to do for my mom too. Okay. Like, you know, check out her like her health insurance stuff. Um, but I think I lost the eraser, so I'm like, oh, I can't erase it much. But, <laughs> um, but I mean the first two weeks, I, I was like pretty bummed out. You know, like we went I think into shelter at home a little bit earlier than Illinois. Um, you know, because once like my thesis got postponed, my thesis show, um, and and you know, there's different. I had conversations with other uh, graduate students about, you know, their show just got completely canceled. They're not gonna like be able to re, uh, like remake it, right? Um, and this is also like the, one of the first times, like, you know, it's tough for my parents to come out to my shows just because you know they're working a lot. Um, you know, my mom was like. Had bought like the ingredients to make like 
a hundred tamales, you know, like for, for all the folks, you know, my, uh, my homie who's uh, from Houston, uh, who's like a great friend of mine that I made in grad school, like, you know, his family was flying out from, from Houston as well. And, uh, it was going to be a great, like black and brown, uh, exhibition, right? He, he had one gallery and I had the other one and we were going to make it into this kind of like coalitional, like building kind of, um, you know, space too, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And then, yeah, it gets, I guess, yeah. postponed. Well, because you still did, you still had a, you still put up your thesis, yes? I wasn't, I think two people before I did, I was up, um, were able to put it up, but I, I, my stuff is like in my studio. It's oh, okay. like framed, ready to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, I covered it in plastic just to make sure it doesn't dust. Um, you know, but luckily I've been I've been lucky enough where I can um, folks have hit me up to kind of like you know show some images from that work from that body of work, um, and hopefully, and you know, whenever this is done, uh, we have been promised to have a like a a real opening. Um, okay. You know, hopefully in the fall or early next year. Um, Good. Well, yeah, man. And then, did you? Does that mean you graduated? They made they made an exception, right? Like I think, um, you know, they, they promised us our degree, and and obviously I'm not going to be a dick and be like, oh well, well I got my degree, so I'm not going to do this thesis show. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, thankfully they allowed us to do that. You know, obviously there's a lot of um, the things uh, that higher higher institutions are, are dealing with right now, and. Um, you know, and thankfully, our chair department was able to, you know, give us that kind of, uh, I wouldn't say gift, but, you know, an opportunity to kind of make it up. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I was thinking of having a big party with the taquero dude <laughs> and like some music and, uh, but, you know, I just had to postpone it. And I think, you know, I think that's why the two weeks I just didn't do anything. I just stayed in bed pretty much just. Obviously, because I think there's a lot of, you know, first generation folks that are like, you know, this is, you know, first time college uh, folks that are like graduating and, and not being able to celebrate is a kind of a, a huge like, um, bump on the road, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, but congratulations, though, on on, Thank you. Thank on you. that degree and and just the work in general, man. Like it's it's such important, powerful work. It's so timely. You're speaking to, I think. You know, like you're you're making specific work that's speaking to how people are feeling and what is needed. I think everywhere. So it's just you know, salutes to you and uh, you know, and congratulations on everything. Um, where where's the best place for people to get you and to stay in tune with all of what you're doing? Uh, I mean, it's Instagram. I think um, luckily I've been able to get it work. You know, some work there. Um, so you know my Instagram is Billy the Camera. It's it's uh, I've never changed it since the first day I got it. Um, and then my website is just WilliamCamargo.com. Um, and I think that's the best way to kind of check what what work I'm doing. Um, you know I have stuff planned in 2021, and I hope it goes through because one of them is at um, a group show in uh, in Chicago in Heaven Gallery. Oh, bet. Um, you know, and Chicago, like you know, I try to go there like every. And I only been back for like two years, you know, I left in 2008, 18. Um, but I go there pretty often, um, you know, I still get invited to shows there. So, um, 
you know, hopefully we'll we'll have something there or, you know, through an IG live kind of way or Zoom. Um, and that's the thing, like people can kind of check out like my lectures and, and, and some of those like speaking engagements through Instagram, through Zoom, you know, while being in Chicago, being in New York and and in different parts of the country, you know? No, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, no, I look forward to having you back in Chicago and just seeing all the work. And thank you so much for spending some time this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Kevin. I've um, been a huge fan for a while and, and uh, everything that the Chicago Z uh, poets, artists, and, and everything, organizers as well. Like, I, I learned a lot from... from um, being there and being able to help in some of the struggles that the city continues to to have, you know. No, I appreciate that, man. And you know, the, the work continues, and, and I look forward to you know continuing to be able to do the work and, and do the work, you know, to, together in, in in the spaces that we have the opportunity to do so. But thanks for being in the corner store, man. Appreciate you, William. Definitely. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Shout out our super producer, DJ Cashera. Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all, follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.